Hi, ladies. My name is Brittany Laurie, and you are listening to The Virtue Podcast. I hope that you have been enjoying these podcasts. I know that I have. It's been so, so special just to hear um, from the ladies in our own church body, from our church. They are from all different walks of life in the sense of where they're at in different seasons of life and different occupations. And it's been so awesome just to hear them um, minister to us through God's word and just share their wisdom. I'm going to jump in and start on my podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about how to gird and guard our minds. You've probably heard it said that the best defense is a good offense. This is a quote that is attributed to General George Washington during the Revolutionary War with the British, but it's a saying that has been found to be true outside of war as well. A few years ago, my friend Hanata invited me to join her at her friend's jiu-jitsu gym. Now, this is something that I never imagined doing in my life, but I gave it a shot and it was so fun and I was pretty hooked on the sport, so I kept with it. I felt like when I started, the only thing I was doing was defending. Literally no offensive game whatsoever. I was just trying not to get choked or caught in an armbar. No matter how many times I would defend against the attacks, you can never win that way. The way you win a round or a match is by making points through scoring. You score points for getting to mount, sweeping, or you could win the match if you get a full submission through an armbar or choke, which is generally where I found myself and not on the side you would want. You have to play offensively to score and win. This is true of pretty much every sport. In jiu-jitsu, I needed to learn how to attack and win and not just survive. Our minds are our greatest battlefield, and in many places, the Bible talks about how the devil is an opponent that we must defeat. These battles begin in the deep folds of our mind. Whether the attacks come in forms of temptation, unhealthy thought patterns, impure thoughts, feeling of unworthiness, anger, bitterness, anxiety, and so on, We often tolerate these lines of thinking, and before we know it, they have their hooks in us, and we are getting choked out spiritually and emotionally. I've heard it said that many minds are like a broken-down city. No gates, no watchful eyes, anything can come in, and anything can come out. So how can we defend the battleground of our minds? The best defense is a good offense. In 1 Peter 1, 13-16, it says, So prepare your minds for actions and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. In Peter's letter, he is talking to the first century Christians who are either about to or were currently facing the terrible trials and persecution. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. I love the way that the King James Version renders verse 13. Gird up the loins of your mind. 
The definition of gird is to prepare for action, muster up one's resources. And we have a lot of resources in Christ that we can muster up. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. I am so thankful the Lord gives us everything we need to live a godly life because the Lord knows that I need that. I don't know about you, but summer is literally my favorite time of the year. There is something about no schedules, sunshine, beach days, late sunsets that make me so, so happy. But if I'm being honest, after a few months of freedom from schedules and squares, I'm getting pretty excited about the kids going back to school. There's something about the structure the school year brings that I crave. The freedom of no schedule, no accountability, no productivity, no agenda is only enjoyable for a little bit, right? I think as humans, we are wired to do stuff. In our Christian faith, we are always or we should be always doing something. We know our spiritual life takes no breaks, no summer vacations, no days off, and that we are in a constant battle. Our flesh is raging war against our spirit, and we have an enemy that wants to thwart our growth and, if possible, take us down completely. The devil takes no days off. And when you think about that, that we will face some kind of battle for every day for the rest of our lives, that can feel burdensome, honestly. It can make you feel weary. I know that it does that for me. Like a constant battle, seriously? But the Lord promises us that we are not alone in that battle and that he is greater than anything and anyone, including the devil himself. He reminds us in Matthew 28, 20, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We aren't in a losing battle, but we do need to be engaged and active. What I love about God is how he gives us practical ways to do these things. We don't have to go on a week-long retreat and sweat it out in some hut in Arizona, and then and only then will we arrive at some sort of spiritual awareness. No, but through his word, he spells it out. He gives us practical wisdom we can apply every day throughout the day to be able to live this life well. It's not some hidden secret formula, special prayer, or magical voodoo. It's just using what God has already given you. I am reminded of the verse in Philippians 4, 8, which says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. John MacArthur says in his commentary, the phrase, Think about these things or meditate on these things introduces an important truth. Spiritual stability is a result of how a person thinks. We want to be in control of our thoughts, actions, and feelings, right? How do we do that? Well, Paul gives us a how on how to do this. Think about and meditate on these things. What is true? 
knowing what God says about us, what he has done for us, what he thinks about us. It's so easy to get caught up in the great lie that we need the world's admiration or approval. That's the last thing we need. God is for us. What is noble? What is good, honorable, worthy? Not to think of things that are trivial, temporary, mundane, common, and earthly, but rather what is heavenly and so worthy of our adoration and praise. What is just, unselfish, kind, it's in sync with God's perfect, unchanging law. What is pure, it's unpolluted, it's holy, it's morally clean. What is lovely, it's sweet, generous, patient, gracious. If there is anything of good report or anything worthy of praise, celebrate it. Thoughts are powerful, and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 7, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. How you think is how you will live. Today, more than ever, we are bombarded day and night with noise. From morning to night, we have voices speaking to us, most of which we are allowing in, sometimes not even by intention. But we wake up and we look at the latest news. We get in the car and turn on the radio. We listen to a podcast on our lunch break. We watch shows when we get home from work and spend our last moments before bed with the social media scroll. We struggle with anxiety but fill our days with bad news, murder mystery podcasts, and wash it down with the newest troubling docuseries. We struggle with contentment and are lacking a heart of gratitude, but wake up to social media influencers selling you the latest, greatest, whatever it is, but you absolutely need to have it to look like them. We are having a hard time feeling fulfilled in our marriages, but spend time reading fictional heated romance stories and comparing our love life to someone else's highlight reel, which leads us to entertain tempting thoughts, even though we know that that social media reality doesn't even exist. There could be a friend or group of people that tear you down spiritually or are planting seeds of doubt and confusion in you. Now, in and of itself, not all of these things are outright sinful, and I'm not trying to sound legalistic, but we do need to take inventory of what we are feeding on day in and day out and how it is affecting our thoughts, therefore our feelings and actions. If we know we are struggling in a certain area and our thoughts seem to linger on a certain emotion or temptation, that is something we need to be aware of. We don't want to be a jiu-jitsu competitor who has no offensive game. We need to be watchful. We need a game plan. We need to protect and guard. We want to have the walls of our mind strong and built up. I'm sure you have heard from Pastor Greg how our little son Christopher is quite the reptile lover. For Christmas, Papa Greg got Christopher a snake. Okay, great. Love that for me. But... We also had a hamster, and they lived in the same room, but in separate cages for obvious reasons. Recently, we went on a trip, and when we got back, Jonathan told Christopher to go check on the hamster, clean the cage, make sure he had his water, all of the fun stuff. Well, Christopher goes in there and starts looking for the hamster, and he cannot find him. He is digging under the bedding and pulling the cage apart, looking for our cute little dwarf hamster cotton ball. Well, guess what? Christopher keeps digging, but he doesn't find the hamster. 
he finds something else inside the hamster's cage that does not belong there. Inky. Mm-hmm. Christopher's two-foot-long Mexican black king snake is coiled up in the corner, buried underneath all the hamster shavings, looking nice and plump. You guys, our snake literally ate our hamster. Somehow, we do not know, even the, to this day, the snake got out of his cage and he literally ate our hamster. That is so terrible, right? Many tears were shed that day, but as sad and as terrible as that story is, it really is. Oh my gosh, this is my life, people. It reminded me of how this scenario plays out in our life. We have a spiritual life, the hamster, rest in peace, cotton ball. And then we have our snake. That can be unpure, sinful, destructive thoughts or actions that we are entertaining or downright indulging in but we keep it separate. We justify it. We only have to feed the snake once a week, so it's not that big of a deal, right? It's in a cage, so it's safe. If we don't keep things in check, your snake will eat your hamster. Your sin will devour your spiritual life because it cannot live together. An unchecked mind will lead to unchecked actions, which will lead to the destruction of your spiritual life. It all starts in our minds. We have to shut down thoughts before they take root. I don't feel worthy or good enough. Nope, not going to rest on that. I know the truth of who God says I am. I am upset and annoyed at someone. So now I'm going to think about the last month and every little wrong thing they did or every mess up and get myself really worked up. Nope, shut that down. My husband and family is X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to let my mind wander to think about what it would be like to dot, 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 stop it now. Our thoughts can take us places we shouldn't go. It's up to us relying on the Holy Spirit to use self-control to stop them, to use discernment to know when they have gone too far. We need to be prepared to preach to ourselves God's words in these moments. So as I close, I want to share with you 10 ways for you to help guard your mind. Number one, it's the obvious thing, but so important. Read your Bible. You need to be disciplined in this and do it even when you don't feel like it. Number two, you need to spend time in prayer throughout your day. Even set reminders on your phone if you have to and keep short accounts with the Lord. Bring those things that you're struggling with straight to the feet of Jesus and confess them. He is faithful and just to forgive you. Assess what you allow into your mind through podcasts or books, TV, radio, even your friends, and how much time you're letting these things speak to you. So think about who and what gets most of your time. Number four, worship. Sometimes it takes turning off the noise of the world and simply putting on worship music and worshiping the Lord. I know that there's been times where I'm driving, I'm irritable, I'm listening to the radio, but I know that I need to refocus. I put on worship music, I listen to those words, and it does really change your perspective. Number five, pray for other people. If you're having a hard time forgiving and loving others, pray for those people. When they pop into your mind and you're having negative thoughts, turn those things into prayers. It will also change your perspective. 
Number six, spend time in your church community. Go to church on a regular basis and be committed to doing that. Also, join a small group if you can in some capacity. Being plugged into your church and spending time with other believers is going to strengthen your walk with the Lord. Number seven, serve others and put others' needs above your own. Eight, take your thoughts seriously and treat those thoughts that lead you down the wrong path as intruders. You cannot entertain them for long. Number nine, express gratitude out loud to the Lord. Thank him for who he is in all the tangible ways he has blessed you. Number 10, get accountability. Find someone you can be totally honest with and share where you are struggling. This is what the body of Christ is all about. We need each other to cheer each other on. And we also need people to say the hard things when we need to hear them. The Lord is with you, and He has given us everything we need to succeed in conquer temptation and sinful thinking and lies we believe about ourselves. But it's up to us to use these spiritual weapons to conquer our opponent, the devil. Let's pray now. Dear Heavenly Father, I just lift up these ladies that are listening, these girls, wherever they are, Father, I pray that you would be with them and that they would be encouraged that they do have everything they need, Father, in you to succeed in their spiritual walk. I pray that they would be able to use some of these tools, God, that you have given us to defeat the enemy that the enemy wouldn't have a stronghold in their minds, but that you would be reigning over all. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.